HVAC 360 is brought to you today by the Lazy Days Company, who are proud to present their new award-winning product, the Secondary Desktop. What's that, you ask? Well, I bet you're the type of person that has a desk that looks like a bomb went off. Don't you lie to me. And then, all of a sudden, before you know it, an important client shows up at your door. Never fear embarrassment again with the Secondary Desktop and its compound, spring-loaded hinges that allows you to move the pristine new desktop surface into place, covering that unsightly mess in seconds. But what if it doesn't match your current desk, you ask? Don't worry, our inventory comes in all those architectural colors. Order yours now. Welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. We do that by sharing information, specific lessons learned in the field, or talking with industry experts. Uh, and if all this leaves you hungry for more, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter or subscribe to my new YouTube channel. All right, so what's up for this week? This week, we're going to be talking with Eddie Rodriguez, uh, the Strategic Marketing Manager, and Frank Ford, the Director of Product Management for TurboCore Compressors. Uh, they're a Danfoss company. Uh, so specifically, what are the TurboCore Compressors? Uh, well, if you've ever played with permanent magnets and you kind of flip the positive and, uh, or you try to put the positive and positive side together and you get that resistance and they don't let each other touch. Well, it's the same kind of principle that they use for magnetic bearings. And that's all what the turbo core is about. Um, but enough of this description. Let's just cut to the tape and hear from Eddie and Frank. All right, today we're talking with Eddie Rodriguez, who is the Strategic Marketing Manager, and Frank Ford, who is the Director of Product Management uh, for Danfoss, uh, specifically at the TurboCore um, Turbo product. How are you doing today, guys? Oh, we're doing fine. Great. So uh, I guess uh, today we're going to be talking about the TurboCore compressor. No surprise there. Um, what are some of the uh, the standard compressor technologies, if we take a, a larger look at um, what's out there um, that you directly compete with? What 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 is out there? Okay. Well, uh, I'll take that question. Uh, so our, our primary competitors are, are typically your, your traditional oiled screw and centrifugal compressors. Uh, both of those compressors uh, require oil for lubrication, uh, specifically the bearings, uh, because uh, oil is required uh, to, uh, to lubricate the metal-to-metal -metal contact between the bearings and the motor shaft. And in addition, uh, a complete oil management system is required uh, within the chiller system to ensure that oil is sent back to the compressor. Uh, but in recent years, uh, we've been seeing uh, other OEMs and other compressor manufacturers that have been offering similar technology to us. Uh, for, and which for us is uh, we offer a complete line of oil-free compressors, uh, specifically using magnetic bearing technology. Uh, so we have we have seen other competitors, other OEMs offering similar technology, uh, such as uh, using magnetic bearing technology, but also uh, other uh, oil-free technologies such as uh, ceramic bearings or, or gas bearing type of compressors. So specifically, how does a uh, turbo core operate and, and what are some of the benefits that you have? Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's kind of take a step back in, in looking at uh, traditional compressors such as screws. And uh, 
uh, those types of compressors uh, require a, a metal roller bearing, and that uh, that metal ro roller bearing uh, requires oil for lubrication between the metal surfaces that come into contact with each other. And those roller bearings uh, are used to support the rotation and linear, linear movement of the motor shaft. On the other hand, turpicore compressors offer it a different methodology to uh, support uh, the, the motor shaft movement. So instead, we use oil-free magnetic bearings. And those magnetic bearings, what they do is they create a magnetic field uh, between the bearings and the shaft. And by doing so, uh, this magnetic field uh, allows the shaft to levitate and spin in, in, in a pocket of air. And by doing that, uh, we essentially eliminate the need for lubrication uh, because there's no longer any metal-to-metal -metal contact between the motor shaft and the bearings. So the benefits that you as a customer would get by using this technology is that, it, first of all, it eliminates oil from, from the chiller system. And uh, the end result with that is that it provides uh, high performance, uh, improved efficiency uh, compared to traditional technology. Uh, because really, uh, oil, uh, in terms of applying it on a chiller system, it uh, doesn't really do you any good. And in fact, it inhibits efficiency, inhibits uh, performance. So you remove the oil from the equation. Uh, what you get is uh, better efficiency and uh, better long-term performance over the life of the compressor. And then the, the other benefit you get is that uh, taking out the oil management system uh, significantly reduces your maintenance tasks. So all the uh, traditional uh, maintenance tasks associated with oil, such as changing the oil or changing the oil filter, um, taking an oil analysis on a, on a weekly basis, uh, that stuff is gone. You no longer have to do that. And, and the end result is uh, significantly reduced uh, maintenance tasks. Now, isn't it true that uh, you're also sound actually comes into play a lot because it's it, it's it's not you know metal against metal grinding. Um, it's a lot quieter. That that is very very true. Uh, so anyone who has uh, uh, sat sat next to a, a screw compressor knows that uh, that type of compressor technology emits a very distinct and uh, unforgettable sound experience. Uh, the, the, the primary cause of that is, as much you said, is that that metal to metal contact, uh, gives a very unpleasant, uh, noise experience. Uh, but with our technology, since we, re we essentially eliminate, uh, that metal to metal contact, uh, the, the end result is a much quieter operation. And, uh, uh the end result would be, uh, of course, a, a lot less, uh, customer complaints because of uh, a noise coming from the chiller. Right, and that kind of indicative of of kind of the applications or the areas that you'd you'd be thinking about um, using the turbo core compressor in. So now the turbo core compressor has been around for a while. You kind of kind of alluded to that. Other people are starting to use the magnetic bearing technology. Um, so specifically to the the turbo core, what are some of the steps uh, that you've had in its evolution, um, and and then top it off with what's what's new with the latest generation? Because uh, at the HR Expo. Uh, that was one of the things. Sure. Yeah, this is uh, Frank. I'll take that question. So uh, we have gone through a lot of changes over the years and uh, even our fundamental business has changed. When TurboCore first started out, we had a hard time convincing people, you know, that our product even worked. Uh, never heard of an oil-free or magnetic bearing centrifugal compressor before, but today it's mainstream. Um, it's widely accepted and you know, we were the first. Uh, so there was a time, though, whenever we were going around telling everybody about these benefits, like you mentioned, the low sound. But, you know, none of the major players in the industry were willing to take that risk. It was uh, tough when we first started. And, you know, we were just trying to get some compressors out. So we we actually started in the retrofit market. So we were trying to 
sell to contractors who would do retrofits on just the compressor on an existing chiller. So they would end up taking off an oiled compressor and replacing it with a turbo core and found all kinds of issues by doing that, uh, removing oil and how sensitive that was. But overall, it was a, a pretty successful start. So you, when we started to get a little bit more attention, uh, we had a few customers sign on that really were pioneers at the time uh, doing oil-free chillers like uh, customers McQuay and uh, Multistack, Clima Veneta, and of course, uh, Smart. So the OEM business had started growing and had a hard time to manage all of those one-off uh, contractors doing the retrofits. So we focused the business to uh, centralize that retrofit to just a few OEMs that specialized in it. And uh, we, we then turned our attention to new chiller uh, builds and, and compressors for new chillers uh, so that we could develop a more uh, yeah, reliable quality product that the market required. And um, we got a lot of help whenever Danfoss, you know, that was another change that we had. Uh, Danfoss purchased uh, TurboCore, the whole, the whole company in 2013. And Danfoss is a great company in terms of processes and being uh, part of a larger company gave us access to more resources and support. So lots of changes in our business. And like you mentioned, our product has changed uh, a lot over time too. So originally we started only focusing on water-cooled chiller applications. So then we have expanded our portfolio to include compressors for air-cooled chillers. We, we actually now offer a high-lift compressor, which meets the entire range of air-cooled chillers and is even capable of doing some uh, heat pump applications. So our new compressor designs, uh, what's really helped us in terms of our innovation is that we've invested a lot in technology. And so before we ever cut metal, uh, we'll end up doing a design digitally first. So we can do all of the modeling and see what the performance is going to look like uh, before we ever start to, to make a compressor. So that's really helped us in terms of our speed. And uh, we look at uh, other trends, so big trends. Uh, lots of changes going on in the industry right now as far as refrigerants. Uh, it used to be very simple. 134A was accepted broadly, and uh, now there's changes uh, around the world uh, for what refrigerants are, are going to you know, be the long-term solution. And then uh, there's a trend towards electrification of heating uh, that's uh, causing us to look at our portfolio and uh, another push into uh, data. So uh, using data to make better decisions, uh, which is something that we're looking at for our controls. So continuous changes. So now, I mean, as far as the, you know, using the electrification of heating, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. It's using um, refrigerant systems uh, to deliver uh, heating solutions. So water to water heat pumps um, and then air to water heat pumps. So our portfolio of compressors, like I mentioned, the high lift uh, compressor, which we had on display at AHR uh, this year, is a, one of our newest compressors. It's capable of operating at a pressure ratio of 6.2, so which is very good for water to water heat pump applications. Um, and also good for uh, some uh, air-to-water uh, heat pumps as well. Now, I mean, as as far as the turbo core goes, uh, what kind of what kind of size range? You know, I mean, when I when I think of heat pump, it, you know, I kind of get stuck into the you know smaller um, you know smaller product range. Um, but typically, that's that's not um, that's not where you see the turbo core being applied. What what sort of product range do you uh, do you see out there? Right. We have a very broad product portfolio. So that's one of the advantages that we have within TurboCore. Uh, so our product, the smallest size is around 65 tons. 
And then our largest size is actually 450 tons. So, and we have incremental uh, compressors uh, in that in that range. So. Uh, the high lift compressor that I was mentioning has a, a capacity of about 100 tons if you're talking about typical uh, uh, cooling capacity um, and a little over that if you're talking about heating capacity. So uh, the heat pumps do typically run down towards the smaller end of our portfolio. Now, I guess you talk about the, the refrigerants a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, some of the some of the new refrigerants, it's it's not necessarily uh, any issue with uh, some of the more uh, um, more advanced refrigerants coming out. Right, the uh, refrigerant situation it's different around the world where you're talking about. So in Europe, uh, we've seen a big trend. Uh, we released the first uh, compressor for HFO one two three four ZE back in 2013. Uh, we call it our TG line of compressors. And uh, we've seen a big shift in Europe uh, towards the TG portfolio that we have now. And uh, this year, we actually released the first compressor, our uh, 490, TG 490 compressor, which is the first compressor for use with the R515B. It's a new refrigerant from Honeywell. So what, what do you think engineers really don't understand about the technology? Okay. Uh, yeah, this is Eddie. I can take that question. Um, so I think uh, for the most part, mo most customers are aware of the benefits of oil-free compressor technology in, in, with regards to the efficiency improvement that you get. You, know, you eliminate the oil from the system, so uh, you, you essentially eliminate uh, a fluid that actually inhibits heat transfer. So you get an immediate gain out of that. Uh, but uh, I think a, a lot of customers are not aware of, of the long-term benefits. Uh, specifically, what I'm saying is that uh, the, the, the efficiencies you gain, you get out of uh, taking oil from the system is not only valid on day one, uh, but it's also valid 20 years from now. So the performance you get when we ship uh, the compressor brand new is essentially going to be the same performance you get 20 years from now because, because of the fact that uh, there's no oil uh, in the system. And uh, several independent studies from ASHRAE has confirmed that uh, it is very common uh, for uh, uh, service technicians to, to essentially overcharge uh, oil in the system. And whenever you do that, you're essentially going to going to be uh, robbing uh, performance uh, from the chiller. Uh, on the, and and the, the other issue to to consider is that our compressors do not incur any kind of uh, mechanical degradation over the life of the compressor. Um, you, you'll find that uh, uh, your your traditional screw compressors it's it's not it's it's very very common to see those compressors uh, suffer a significant mechanical wear after uh, extended periods of operation. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, several OEMs uh, who, who manufacture screw compressors offer uh, renewal programs to over overhaul the screw compressors uh, in order to uh, alleviate that issue. They'll, they'll re rebuild the compressor with the, the uh, uh, parts that come into contact with, the, with each other in order to, to, uh, to, to allow you to get the performance that you got when the compressor was brand new. So what, what's sort of like a, uh, you know, the, the life expectancy difference that if you talk about you know, the screw versus what you'd get with a turbo core? Yeah. So uh, with, with regards to uh, our, our compressors, you know, you, you can expect a 20-year uh, a lifespan uh, with, with our, our technology. Uh, there's no reason why uh, you, you can't achieve that uh, with, uh, along, you know, with uh, the recommended uh, maintenance procedures. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the difference is, is the, uh, we see it, the benefit with our technology is that a lot of the maintenance tasks that you, you would commonly see on an oil comp 
compressors such as you know, changing the oil, changing the oil filter, monitoring oil uh, in the system. Th- those tasks are, are no longer required on our technology. So I guess what kind of what kind of I mean as as far as the um, you know percentages go I mean what what sort of you know energy savings um, can you get um, going away from a oil uh, oil based uh, to a magnetic bearing? Yeah. So uh, what the, the area that you'll see significant benefits in terms of performance is going to be at part load operation. Uh, so if if we benchmark our our uh, compressor against let's say uh, a baseline traditional uh, fixed speed screw compressor, you know, you can see efficiencies improvements of uh, as high as 30 to 40 percent because uh, all of our compressors, they're not only uh, oil free uh, technology, but they also come standard with variable speed, uh, variable speed drives. So in other words, it can uh, uh, adjust the power consumption, uh, especially at low load conditions when when capacity is not required uh, during those situations. Now, when you compare it to, say, a, 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 a traditional screw with a variable speed drive, uh, you'll still see some uh, you'll see st- still see some significant uh, performance improvements, uh, typically in the uh, five to ten percent um, uh, range, and uh, 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 and that's because again the the, the even though they're, they're both compressor technologies are still using uh, variable speed drives, uh, the fact that our compressors do not have oil uh, offers uh, uh, significant performance improvements in terms of heat transfer. Okay, excellent. So now, I guess, do you have any lessons learned uh, that you've, uh, you know, from applying the turbo car compressors over the years? Any any designer tips that they should keep in mind? Um, there are some differences uh, whenever you're talking about designing with a uh, turbo core compressor. One difference is uh, that you can have a much lower superheat because we don't have uh, oil in the compressor. You don't have to worry about uh, liquid return that could uh, flush out anything. Um, but you know, for the most part, uh, there are some other differences and just, if you're considering having multiple compressors, the majority of OEMs use, uh, multiple compressors, uh, on their chillers. Um, so two, three, four, uh, compressors on a single chiller, uh, turbo core compressor on a single chiller and, uh, up to even, uh, we've seen 12, uh, that's one of the largest, uh, systems that we've seen. And, uh, when you have a centrifugal compressor and you're starting up, uh, you know, multiple centrifugals at a time, uh, they need to be able to generate enough pressure uh, so that they can uh, start up. So we have uh, check valves uh, as part of the system and, and then uh, staging valves. So what a staging valve does is it allows the, uh, a starting compressor to be able to um, generate enough pressure to then overcome the check valve of the uh, pressure for the existing comp- the compressors that are uh, currently running. So uh, that's one of the unique things that I think uh, it would be different with a turbo core based system versus a, a screw uh, or other type of uh, system. Now, when uh, somebody's selecting a turbo core, um, is it again is it specific manufacturers or is it something that uh, you know they can mix and match or or specify that a certain manufacturer used turbo core? Um, well, whenever somebody's trying to use TurboCore, we have a set of OEMs that we work with, right? So TurboCore is a technology and an OEM has to build around their chiller, uh, around the, the technology. So, uh, we work with a limited number of OEMs. Um, those are all listed on our websites, the OEMs that currently offer TurboCore products. Uh, and so if they were specifying a, a TurboCore, uh, uh, based chiller, uh, they can identify, you know, which OEM they would want to work with. So, um, 
as far as the the applications go, um, again, you know, it's, it's it's you know it's it's quiet, so it might be you know you, as far as like performing arts things like that. Um, are there better applications and maybe applications that are not so good? Um, there are a lot of potential applications. So we have our products installed, you know, in like you mentioned, uh, performing arts theaters. So. Uh, stadiums, um, you know, they're in metro stations. Metro stations is an interesting one because uh, a lot of times the metro stations are existing structures. Uh, so the space is limited. They don't want to use space for a mechanical room. Um, so our technology being a very small, compact, lightweight compressor allows to have a very a small system uh, that they can then bring into the existing space uh, without occupying any more, uh, you know, uh, square footage than, than uh, they have to. Um, hospitals is another one. Schools is a really good one because of low sound, um, hotels and of course, office and retail spaces. So, you know, another, uh, place would be applications related to process cooling. Um, so, uh, data centers is a very uh, large market right now. Um, lots of, uh, our product, our compressors are being used in chillers for data center. Uh, but then there's some interesting stuff too, like, uh, indoor agriculture, uh, food processing, uh, manufacturing uh, process for plastics or other types of materials. And um, another really uh, interesting one is uh, on cruise ships. So we actually do have some TurboCore compressors installed on uh, water-cooled chillers uh, located on cruise ships. Wow. Now, is, is uh, like you mentioned, there are multiple TurboCore compressors typically on a you know any specific piece of equipment, whether it be a, a chiller, um, what sort of redundancy does that that allow? That is a very good point, and you know a lot of our OEMs have been very successful because let's say they're bidding on a job and the job requires to have uh, a redundant chiller. Um, so what our OEMs have been able to do is say, well. You, you can actually save money because you don't need to have an additional chiller uh, for redundancy. We can provide you redundancy by having multiple compressors on the same chiller. So therefore, if there is an issue with one particular compressor, then you have the other compressors which can still deliver, not necessarily the full load, but can deli deliver uh, the majority of the load or the cooling capacity uh, that would be required. So it helps, uh, some in certain situations to be able to save without having to spend money to buy an additional chiller and just have the redundancy as part of the compressor. So now I, I, I have to ask, because this is one of, one of the things that, you know, we have this magnetic bearing, which is, it's, it's not, they're not, they're not permanent magnets per se, but I mean, they're, they're, uh, you have uh, electrification. It's, it's basically kind of, um, you know, because that you have power that the magnetic bearings work, correct? Right, yeah. So now, obviously, take away the power, whether it's a power blip or an extended loss of, loss of plow power. Um, what, what sort of, what happens? How, does, how do the compressors handle that sort of situation? Yeah, with the compressor, so we do need power in order to uh, levitate the shaft, right? Um, but what happens if you have a very brief loss of power, uh, and we're talking just a few milliseconds, um, or if you have a voltage sag of a, of a couple seconds, then the compressor can breeze through that no problem. It just keeps going. Um, but if it sees a voltage sag that lasts uh, more than just a few seconds or uh, a total loss of power, it will go into a state that we call generator mode. So 
Generator mode is when the stator actually becomes a generator. So it creates sufficient power for the compressor to be able to continue operating so that it can then bring the shaft uh, and start reducing the speed and bring it to a safe stop. So that's the protection that's inherent to every turbocore compressor. And, you know, uh, another problem that people have is if they're, if the compressor does shut down, well, then they start to lose uh, water uh, temperature. And what the, we have as well is a, a function in the compressor that we call a fast restart. So once power's restored, we'll be able to start up uh, quickly and Within 30 seconds, the compressor is up and running again so that the compressed, the uh, chiller can continue to uh, uh, maintain the water temperature. So I guess um, one other thing that I was kind of thinking about is that, you know, how, um, how since, I mean, it's just spinning at a high speed, it's levitating there. How susceptible is it to shock, um, you know, from running into something to even like an, like an earthquake? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one too. So uh, our OEMs uh, have obtained uh, seismic certification on chillers using our compressors. So there are specific standards that they have to go through um, in order to say that it meets the the seismic qualification. And so they have taken our compressor and put it through those tests. We do testing too on components. Um, so we do a lot of shock and vibration testing on components in order to make sure that they can meet the most severe. Uh, requirements even beyond uh, you know consideration for earthquake. There's a, additional uh, military standards that we try to be able to meet uh, on a component level. But as a whole, when the compressor is spinning, um, and you know, our we can uh, depending on which compressor model, we're between 10 and 40,000 uh, RPM, right? So the way the compressor works is that we're constantly positioning that shaft in the center. So we have uh, sensors which are monitoring the position of the shaft uh, 80,000 times per second and then uh, repositioning it to make sure that it stays in the center. If for any reason the orbit of that shaft starts to move outside of what we see as our acceptable limits, then the compressor is going to just stop. It's going to shut down and it's going to say that it's got a bearing fault. And so that bearing fault can then be reported back to the chiller. And assuming that everything is stable again, um, then and there's no, you know, been no uh, major uh, incident such as what you could have with an earthquake. If everything goes back to normal, then the, com uh, the chiller clears the fault. The compressor can start back up uh, as normal. So now, obviously, the, the, the one big question is, what is the relative cost of this technology um, compared to other technologies that you could, you could purchase? Right, yeah. So... Uh, of course, our compressor is a uh, premium product, and there is a higher cost associated with that. But what we focus on and what our OEMs do a very good job of focusing on is looking at the total payback period. And with the efficiency that our product provides and the other benefits like we've talked about, um, we typically can see a payback uh, versus other technology within uh, two to three years. And, you know, the point that Eddie had mentioned is also a, a really good one about our compressors having no performance degradation over time. So that's a big factor in the total cost of ownership and something that needs to be considered because for a well-maintained chiller with turbocore compressors, uh, we will be able to deliver the same energy savings year after year. So that's something that other compressor technologies cannot claim. Now, is that, I mean, is that something that... Uh, as far as maintaining that, would you say that would be a uh, uh, a benefit? Not having necessarily have the the staff that uh, 
need to you know needs to monitor the oil is this something that that is is beneficial or is that it's an easier system to um to maintain uh from from an owner standpoint yeah uh, uh this is eddie I'll, I'll take that question uh yeah that's very true because uh it, it's uh, it does require a uh, uh, significant amount of labor hours as well as a specific skill set of uh, service technician to do all those tasks you know, that's I mentioned, you know, changing the oil, doing oil analysis, changing the oil filter, you know, all that stuff uh, requires time and requires, uh, you know, a person who is knowledgeable on the use uh, on the in the area of uh, chiller maintenance. Uh, because those tasks are gone, um, you know, that's uh, that's significant cost that that's, uh, is, is taken away. Plus, uh, plus, it also gives a lot of peace of mind to the customer because uh, they don't have to worry about those tasks, which, if, if neglected, could result in a, in a catastrophic failure of the compressor. Right. So they're basically focusing just on making sure that the water, water chemistry is right and making sure that the actual, you know, heat exchanger shell is, uh, you know, is, is clean on, a, on an occasional basis. Yeah, that is correct. All right. Well, you know, I really appreciate you guys uh, being on the podcast. What, uh, what's, what's some final thoughts? What, what, what should people know? Yeah, I, I think we could both uh, provide some input on that. Uh, uh, one thing I'd like to uh, uh, address that's kind of uh, some, some parting thoughts here is, and, and Frank started to allude, allude to that in the, in the beginning, is that, you know, uh, typically uh, most customers have thought of our compressor, and I guess as, you know, kind of any compressor for that mind is as sort of air conditioning or comfort cooling uh, types of applications. Uh, you know, with the recent launch of, uh, of our new high lift compressor, uh, we've really uh, uh, started starting to make inroads in, uh, into applications that have normally not been thought of uh, for use in our technology, which is electric heating. Uh, and electric heating is uh, we see as a, as a trend that is really taking hold. Uh, I mean, it's it's happening today in Europe uh, as well as in China, and we see that see that issue uh, moving. Uh, gonna, it's going to happen in, in North America. Uh, with regards to replacing uh, you know, traditional fossil fuel heating, whether it's a boiler or, or some other uh, heating device using you know, natural gas or oil or, or some other uh, fossil fuel type, uh, but instead uh, transitioning to uh, electric heating where uh, your, your comfort cooling chiller is actually going to be uh, providing the heating as well as the cooling. Uh, you know, in, in applications today, a lot of, a lot of times th- that heating uh, that uh, gets extracted from the building uh, a lot of cases, they, they just it's just wasted. It goes into the atmosphere. But uh, in this area era of uh, electrification and uh, uh, awareness of uh, reducing the impact of, uh, of global warming, uh, we see this as an opportunity uh, to use our technology to uh, help reduce uh, you know, carbon emissions uh, by uh, transitioning, helping to transition away from fossil fuel heat. Now, what what's uh, just out of curiosity, the, the high lift? What what sort of where is that being applied? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the high lift compressor is, is a compressor we, we actually launched last year, and uh, the the specific applications that it's optimized for is uh, in, in uh, applications just like its name, high lift. Where uh, uh, when we say high lift, that means we're talking about uh, the difference between your your, your saturated uh, uh, discharge temperature and uh, your saturated suction temperature. Or in other words, there's a big pressure ratio difference on your high side condenser versus uh, your evaporator. And those types of applications are, are things like air cooled chillers in hot ambient climates like the, like the Middle East or uh, Phoenix, Arizona, or it could be uh, uh, heat pumps 
uh, heat recovery, you know, where uh, someone wants very hot water for like, say, for potable water use, um, uh, ice rinks, uh, yeah. thermal storage. You know, th those are those are applications where there, where you see that big difference in, in condensing pressure versus evaporator pressure. And uh, th that compressor that we uh, launched, what we call the high lift compressor, is uh, designed and optimized to, to handle that, that high lift application. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, the other point I would say uh, that I don't think a lot of people are aware of is that, you know, when we first created this technology several years ago, uh, it, it really was focused on just uh, a handful of compressors. And uh, like Eddie, Eddie's mentioning, we have a portfolio of compressors now with all kinds of different capabilities. And uh, over the years since uh, TurboCore had first started, you know, last year we passed a big milestone and that we have more than 80,000 compressors in the field operating. So, you know, the largest installed base of magnetic bearing uh, compressors. And you know, that's one of the things. So we start to see other people, other companies coming on board and uh, offering oil-free uh, options. And we, we really think that's fantastic because it really demonstrates the that uh, this technology has been widely accepted. And, you know, we're very proud to have been able to be the, the leader and the, and the pioneer uh, to help make that happen. All right. Well, I appreciate both of you guys. Uh, thanks to uh, you, Frank and Eddie, uh, for coming on the podcast and spending some time with us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Eddie and Frank for taking the time to chat with me. Check out the show notes for things uh, that we talked about during the interview. You can find those show notes over at HVAC360.com slash 157. And thanks so much to you uh, for taking the time and listening. Hope this was helpful. If you know somebody who's looking to step up their HVAC game, consider sharing this episode or another one of them, another one of your favorites with them. This is kind of by far really the, the best thing you can do to spread the word about the podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe over at HVAC360.com for a weekly dose of the written word or browse over to browse on over to my YouTube channel and subscribe if video is more of your thing. Lastly, if you'd be, I'd be greatly honored if you'd consider leaving me, leaving me a five-star review over at Apple Podcast. That's a wrap for this week at HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know. <laughs>